Blog Talk Radio. Okay, praise God. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Without further ado, everybody knows her. She's a regular. She gives me a break. God bless her. I can go to sleep. Evangelist Janice Taylor, two hours. You got it. Amen, amen, amen. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. It's good to be back with you. I was away last week. I missed you all. And uh, I am so thankful um, to be back with you all again. This is Evangelist Janet Taylor coming to you live from Walls of Fire Deliverance Ministry International. Our web address is www.wallsoffiredeliveranceminn.com. So if you want to find us on the web, that's where you can find us. And our mailing address, if you still use snail mail, which many people do, is P.O. Box 1148, Walkertown, North Carolina, 27105. 4123 is the um, mailing address. You can, if you're being blessed by this ministry, if you're being encouraged and strengthened, let us know. We want to hear from you. Drop us a line and let us know that uh, this ministry is blessing you. Also, um, you can find us on the Internet. You can email us at jet245 at msn.com. So, if again, if you're being blessed and you want us to know, uh, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. You have no idea what cards, mail, and even phone calls or emails, what they do for this ministry. They encourage us. uh, So just go ahead and send us a note of encouragement. All right? Now, if you are blessed and you want to sow, if God leads you to sow, you can mail uh, uh, a check. We don't do um, cash app, but you can mail a check or you can um, PayPal us. So I'm going to give you the mailing address once again. I know we're living in the digital age, and many of you don't write, write checks, but you can if you desire to. If this ministry is um, blessing and encouraging you, the mailing address, again, is P.O. Box 1148, Walkertown, North Carolina, 27105. Or you can PayPal us or Zell us at JET245 at MSN. That's J as in John, E as in Edward, T as in Tom, 245 at MSN.com. Our phone number here at this ministry is 336-830-0601. So you can get in touch with us and let us know that you are being blessed. So we just want you to know how you can sow into this ministry. And I'm telling you, if you sow here, you are sowing into good ground. I'm not going to promise you your house will be paid off. I'm not going to promise you your car will be paid off. I'm not going to promise you all your bills will be paid. That is not Scripture is not in the Bible. I'm only going to promise you one thing, 
is that whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So if you sow into this ministry, you will be sowing into good ground. We follow the Bible. We go by the scriptures here at Walls of Fire Deliverance Ministry. We don't deviate from the scriptures. And, you know, I'm going to tell you something. That seems to tick a lot of people off that we don't deviate from the scriptures. But why would we when the scripture is our guide? It's our instruction manual. This is what the Lord left here in the earth for us to follow. If we follow this book called the Bible, we will live a godly life and inherit eternal life. So uh, I also want to remind you about our prayer line. We host what is known as the Sweet Hour of Prayer. That's Monday through Saturday at 12 noon to 1 p.m. And then on Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you live in a different time zone and you want to plug in, if you uh, want to connect with us at the right time, you're going to have to get uh, adjust your time. So that's Monday through Saturday from 12 noon to 1 p.m. And on Sunday night from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Jesus said something concerning this. He spoke to, he spoke to his disciples and he said, can you not pray with me? for one hour? And the answer is yes, Lord. We can pray with you for one hour. We want to pray, glory be to God, for our nation. We want to pray for you. We want to pray for your family and for your needs. But we want you to join us as we pray for others. We're praying for people in different countries, people we've never even met before. We are praying for them. And we invite you to come on this prayer line and be a part of it. Let me give you the phone number. The phone number is area code 425-436-6333. And the code is 716-5050, followed by the pound sign. Again, the sweet hour of prayer phone number is 425 425- Four three six six three three three, and the code is seven one six five zero five zero. We hope you will join us on this sweet hour of prayer. You come on any time of the week, any day of the week, and you will find us praying for one hour. Glory be to God in the highest. Now we want to get into tonight's teaching. Glory be to God. The message is, it's not about us. And we're going to go to Acts chapter 3 and see what the Lord is saying unto the church. I pray right now that those that are listening to the sound of my voice, I ask God to give you ears to hear what the Spirit is saying unto the church. Amen? Yeah. We need to hear what the Spirit is saying. So many times we'll hear from a preacher and we'll hear from a man, but we need to hear what the Spirit is saying. Mm. 
Excuse me. We need to hear. what the spirit is saying because what the spirit is saying is what's going to um bless us and take us where God is trying to take us thank you lord jesus thank you that was the enemy trying to stop what God is trying to do but he is still a liar glory be to god so we're going to go right into this word acts chapter 3 Amen. Get your Bibles and let's go to the Word of God. And the Word of God says in Acts chapter 3 and verse 1, reading from the King James Version. I only teach from the King James Version. Uh, I use other versions when I'm studying, but I only teach from the King James Version. All right. And this is what the Word of God says. It says, now Peter and John went up together into the temple. And at the, uh, excuse me, I want to read that again. Now, Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. Boy, that's amazing. Here I am talking to you tonight about the sweet hour of prayer and this message also dealing with an hour of prayer. I believe God is speaking to us tonight. I believe God is talking to his people about the importance of prayer. We need to be praying at least for an hour. Glory be to God. Some pray more, but you certainly should not be praying less because we are living in perilous times. So let's go back to this word which says, that Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. That was 3 p.m. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried whom they laid daily at the gate, at the gate of the temple called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. He was a beggar. He was asking for money, a contribution, a donation. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. So I want to just stop right here for a minute. We're going to go further, but I definitely want to stop right here for a minute and just expound on the scriptures. Peter and John were going together to the temple to pray, which was customary. They went at 3 p.m., which was the hour of prayer. And they encountered a man who was lame from his mother's womb. He was born lame. 
and he somebody carried this man to the gate of the temple every day. And there he begged for money, for donations, because he was unable to work to support himself, so begging was all that he could do. And the Bible says that Peter and John, when they saw him, um, he asked them for a contribution. And Peter fastened his eyes on this man and said, look here. In other words, look here, brother. And the man looked at Peter and John expecting to receive something. So what I'm noticing here is this man who was begging outside of the temple, and this was his occupation, he went there every day to beg for money, and he met two of the disciples. He met Peter and John. These are now apostles. And he asked them, not knowing who they were, he didn't care who they were. He was just asking for some money. And he asked them for an arm, but he didn't ask flippantly or nonchalantly. He asked expecting to receive something. Peter told him, look, brother, look on us. And this man, Peter and John, expecting to receive something. I hope this is ministering to somebody right now. Because sometimes, the Bible says, sometimes we pray and we ask amiss. In other words, <clears throat> we do not pray according to the scriptures. We're asking for things that may not be God's divine plan or God's divine will for us. Now, I'm not talking about healing because that is God's divine will for us. There was another man in the scripture whom had asked the Lord. He said, Lord, if thou wilt, thou can heal me. And Jesus looked at him and said, I will. In other words, it is the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. So in this particular situation, the man was expecting to receive something. He wasn't just putting blank uh, uh, empty words out there. He wasn't just talking loud and saying nothing. He expected to receive something. But he got much more than he could have ever imagined. And the Bible says in verse 5 that he gave heed unto them. Peter and John said, look on us. And the Bible says the man gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something. Oh, I wish the church would get this. I wish the church, the body of Christ, the ecclesia, the call-out assembly of God, would approach the throne of grace and mercy, expecting to receive something. I wish the body of Christ believed the word of God, that we are heirs with God, heirs with Christ, and joint heirs. We are children of the kingdom, and whatever is in the kingdom, the king owns it, and whatever the king 
got to get kingdom minded here. We got to stop asking God for stuff that we don't expect to receive. My God, I pray that somebody is getting this. So this man, he expected to receive something of Peter and John. Now, the Bible goes on in verse 6 and says, Peter spoke up. Peter said, silver and gold have I none. In other words, I ain't got no money. I ain't got no money. But what I have, I'll give it to you. Now, the man still didn't know what Peter was going to give him. But he said to him, in the same breath, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And that was not, Peter was not asking him, uh, can you try to walk, please? Uh, 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 uh. Peter commanded him to get up and walk. And he commanded him in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I pray that somebody is getting this. Because John 15 says to us, John 15 says, whatsoever, this is Jesus talking, whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he will do it. Glory be to God in the highest. I thank God, I thank God for his word. All right? Then he also went on to say um, that if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you can ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. That's John uh, 15 and verse. Then he goes on to say in John 15 and verse 16, he says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. You see, we have promises from God, and the promises of God are in him, yea, and in him, amen. God is not a man that he should lie neither the son of man, that he should repent. If God said it, he will do it, and he will hasten to perform his word. So Peter said to this man, we don't have no money. But what I do have, in the he said, I give it thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Rise up and walk. Oh, somebody needs to get this. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones were strengthened. Now listen. In verse number five, the Bible says, verse four, the Bible says, Peter said, look on us. And the man looked, expecting to receive something. I imagine he expected to receive some money. But Peter quickly addressed that. He said, silver and gold have I none. I don't have any money. 
brother, but I've got something better than money. Good God Almighty. He said, I got power and authority with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He said, I'm going to command you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth to rise up and walk. And the Bible says, and the man immediately, not the following week, not an hour or two later, but immediately the man got up and his feet and ankles. And the Bible says, and he leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple. Now, Peter and John were going into the temple at 3 o'clock in the evening, as they normally did, to pray. They encountered this man who had been lame all his life. This man went to the temple. So you got two things happening. Peter and John going to the temple to pray, and you got this beggar going to the temple. And they have a divine encounter. Good God Almighty. God, had already predetermined that these two, would, these three, would meet at this particular hour. The man went to the temple to beg for donations. Peter and John went to the temple to pray. But after this man received his miracle, the Bible says he didn't stay there and continue begging. He got up, leaping and dancing, and walked with them into the temple. He could not go into the temple before this miracle. He couldn't. He could not go into the temple before this miracle. But immediately, this man went into the house of God. Glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that he was that it was he which set for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement. All these people knew this man. They seen him day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out, come to the temple to beg. And he came at the hour of prayer because he knew people would be going in and out of the temple. He knew the probability that he would get donations when it was prayer time was greater than when he, if he just went there um, any, any other time of the day. So the man's strategy, he had a strategy, and his strategy was to go during prayer time. He felt like people would probably be generous, and they would give to him. So this he did daily. Peter and John went to the temple daily also. But today, they encountered this man. Good God Almighty. It was a divine setup. It was God's plan. It was God's purpose. None of this happened by chance. Yeah, this was not a coincidence. This was the will of God for this man on this particular day. And guess what? He received more than he could have ever imagined. Why? 
because he had a divine encounter. Good God Almighty. He had a divine encounter. It was set up that he would come in contact with Peter and John that day. Now, I want to say something. Peter and John, (laughs) this story is not about Peter and John. Peter and John that God used. The The star of this story is the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God has gone before us, and he has already made a way where it looked like no way. He is the God of impossibilities. When man say it can't be done, God got the last word on it. And what is impossible for man is possible with God if we believe. He said, if ye believe, all things are possible. So when this man encountered Peter and John, and Peter and John told him to look on us, the Bible says the man's faith was activated because he expected to receive something of them. I believe he expected to receive money, but he received much more than money. As a matter of fact, he received a miracle, something that money cannot buy. Glory be to God. And now he stood up, leaping and walking, and went into the temple with Peter and John. Now, I want to talk about that just for a minute. I'm not going to stay there long, but I'm going to tell you something. It amazes me how this man who could not go into the temple before this miracle happened, that he went straight into the temple. He did not turn left nor to the right. He, I don't even believe he was following Peter and John, although he walked in with them. I believe he went to see what was going on in this temple because there was power. Good God Almighty. You know, so many people are going to churches that don't have no power in them. You're just going because that's where mom and them went. You're just going because that's your family church. you operating in the spirit of tradition, following the, your granddaddy uh, used to be the pastor of this church. you 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 operating uh, by tradition, the traditions of men. And you go to church week in and week out. You go in the same way and come out the same way. No change. No change whatsoever. And people seem to be satisfied with that. Now, I would not go to a church where there ain't no power. The power of the Holy Spirit must be resident in this church if I'm going to attend there. If not, if I make a mistake and go the first time, I certainly will never go back because there's no power in there. If I go into a church and I don't feel the presence of the Lord, I won't be going back. 
But some of us are going into these dead places where there's no spirit. Jesus said in his word, John 6 and 63, my word is spirit and life. There's no spirit and there's no life. The people are just going through the motions. It's a religious church. They operate in the spirit of religion. Nobody's getting delivered. Nobody's getting saved. Nobody's getting set free. Sister so-and-so still mean as a snake. Sister so-and-so, she's, she, she's, uh, 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 we make excuses for her. He's just peculiar. No, he ain't peculiar. He just needs to be delivered. And so I would not go into those types of churches. But this man got up. He stood up immediately. His feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaped up and stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. You know, it reminds me of little children. You ever seen a little kid when you told him the ice cream truck is coming and we're going to get ice cream and you ain't going to get none? And what do he say? I'm am too. And then when the ice cream truck comes, you know, they keep taunting him. They keep saying, you're not going to get any. You're not. Mama said, you've been bad. You're not going to get any. And he, he looked right at him and he said, I'm am too. And when the ice cream truck comes, and all the children run to the truck. Guess what? Mama gives him a nickel, too, and he gets his ice cream. And what does he start doing? Dancing and kicking up his feet and telling him, I told you I was going to get me some ice cream. Why? Because he knew his mother, glory be to God. This man got up leaping and stood and entered walking and leaping and praising God in the temple with Peter and John. Now, it amazes me how so many people can get a miracle at the house of God. And then they say, child, I got something else to do. I, I, I can't go this Sunday. Uh, uh, I, got something to, I got somewhere to be. Now, you just got this miracle. You just got this breakthrough. God just delivered your child, but now all of a sudden you are busy and you got somewhere else to go. The same place where you got delivered at, the same place where you saw your child get saved at, the same place where you saw God break the chains off of your family, the chains of bondage. You saw God do this miracle, but yet when they say, well, let's go back to church, Oh, I, I, I'm tired. I'm sleepy. I got something else to do. But not this man. This man got up, leaped up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple. And I mean, he didn't just walk in. He was making a show. He was walking and leaping and praising God because he knew it wasn't Peter and John who did this miracle. He knew it was God. He was praising God. So many times we get it twisted. We began to praise men. And God said that we should not give his glory. He said, I will not share my glory 
with another. And the people inside the temple, they looked, they were amazed. They said, what in the world? They knew him. Peter and John didn't know the man, but the people in the temple knew him. They said, ain't that so-and-so? He, he was just outside begging. He's been begging for years. They knew it was him which sat for arms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And the Bible says they were shocked. They were filled with wonder and amazement at all which had happened unto him. Glory be to God. You see, nobody gets the glory but God. Glory be to God. And the lame man was healed. And uh, he held Peter and John, and all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon, greatly wondering. In other words, these people were so amazed. They were so amazed. Glory be to God. And when Peter saw it, Peter did not hesitate to preach the gospel unto them. He said, ye men of Israel... Why marvel ye at this? Why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we have made this man to walk? He said the glory belongs to God. Don't praise us. Don't give us the glory that belongs to God. Like on Jesus, put your focus on him. He said the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, have glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. Now, let me tell you something. And Peter went on and preached, and boy, he preached. And I'm going to tell you something. The bottom line is what this whole message is all about is it's not about us. The scriptures tell us in 1 Corinthians 10 and 31, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all for the glory of God. Every act of God is a righteous act of God. Everything God does is good. Everything God does is for his namesake and for his glory. It's not about us. Even our suffering, we sometimes we sit up and we just murmur and complain, just belly aching about a situation that we are going through. But it's not about us. The Bible says in Romans 8 and 28, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, who are the cause according to his purpose. It's all about God's glory. It's all about the Lord. Glory be to God. Let's look at Genesis, Genesis chapter 50. Hallelujah. When Joseph had been betrayed by his brothers. Now, they did a, 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 a low-down, dirty thing to him. And when their father died, 
they thought that Joseph, who was now second in command, whoo, Jesus, in Egypt, they thought perhaps he might take vengeance out on us. But Joseph knew the word. He knew what the Bible says about vengeance. He said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. And Joseph, who had been done so wrong by his brothers, have you ever had somebody to betray you and do you so wrong that it just hurt and you just can't figure out why that particular individual did you like that? You feel like this was my friend. This was somebody I've been good to. This is somebody I, I call my road dog. This is somebody I, 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 I shared a, a confidence with them. I, I confided in them. I loaned the money. I, I, I slept at the house. They slept at my house. We ate at each other's table. I can't believe they stabbed me in the back like that. And betrayal, betrayal is painful. Betrayal is very painful. And so when Joseph had the opportunity to face his brothers again, the first thing he did was wept. He's just glad to see them again. He wept. And he, he couldn't even control himself. He had to go uh, put them out the room so that he could weep. Not because the pain, it was the joy that he saw his brothers again. And he knew his father and his little brother was alive. So they tried to do evil. They did evil to Joseph. They uh, put him in a pit, and then they sold him. They ripped his coat of many colors off of him and uh, put uh, animal's blood on it, took back to the father, said that was Joseph's blood, and Joseph was dead. And then they sold him to a band of, of, of uh, Midian, and then they in turn sold him to a band of Ishmaelites. And Joseph end down, ended up down in Egypt. But now, when we read the rest of the story, we see that it was all a part of the divine plan and providence of God. See, Paul Harvey used to say something when he was a newscaster, and I love it. I never forgot it. He used to say, now you know the rest of the story. See, what you have to do is when you're going through, you got to go through all the way to the end so you can see the rest of the story, so you can see the mighty hand of God working it all together for your good and for his glory. When you're going through it in the midst of the storm, you can't see the good in it. That's why you can't look at things through your emotional eyes. You got to look at things through your spiritual eyes. You got to ask God, whatever you are doing, Lord, let thy will be done and thy kingdom come. Have your way, Lord. Have your way in me. Not my will, Lord, but thy will be done. So Joseph went all the way through. Everything he had to go through, he even ended up in the prison. 
because Potiphar's wife wanted to have him, and he, he was such a man of integrity. He flew out of the house, and she snatched his coat, and she used that as evidence against him. He ended up in prison, but God was with him. The Bible said God prospered him even in prison. He was in charge of the inmates, and he was an inmate. God had favored him. So what the devil meant for evil, good God Almighty. God turned it around for good. So his brothers, when they realized their father was dead, and perhaps Joseph might want to get revenge on us, they went to Joseph. And they told him, they fell down before his face and said, Behold, we be thy servants. They, they, they went to Joseph and said, Don't kill us, just, just make us your servants. Glory be to God in the highest. And Joseph said unto them, You see, they knew what they had done to him. They also knew the dreams that Joseph had had. They hated him because God was giving Joseph dreams. And when he shared those dreams, they didn't like the meaning or the interpretation of the dreams, that they would one day all bow to Joseph, even his father. Well, God gave Joseph the dream, so they had to come to pass. So when they realized our father is dead, there's nothing to keep Joseph from killing us, they, they put themselves in tribute to Joseph, and they said, we be thy servants. And Joseph responded by saying, fear not, for am I in the place of God? In other words, God said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. He said, that's not my place to pay you back for what you did to me. As a matter of fact, I forgive you. He said, but as for you, you thought evil against me. But God, somebody say, but God. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. He said, now therefore fear ye not. I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. In other words, Joseph forgave them, and he left what they had done unto him in the hands of God. Glory be to God. You see, it's not about us. That's what the title of this message is tonight. It's not about us. Everything that we are going through, Everything you've had to endure, every trial, every test, if you go through it and let God have his way, it's for the glory of God. And then the second part of it is for somebody else. Somebody else will need to hear that testimony. Somebody else will be blessed. Somebody else will be encouraged. Somebody else will know that if God did it for them, he can do it for me. If God saved her, 
he can save me. If God delivered him, he can deliver me. Glory be to God. Somebody else will be strengthened if you go through the test and let God have his way. Glory be to God. Isaiah 43 and 7 says, Everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I formed him, yea, I have made him. Hallelujah. You see, the things that you have suffered, the things that you've been through, those things that you had to endure were not about you. It's not about us. It is for the glory of God. God wants to get the glory out of what we are going through. The Bible says that these are but light afflictions. They are not even worthy to be compared to the eternal weight of glory that awaits us. Paul said he was shipwrecked. He said he, he, he went through so much, he was beaten. He, he was suffered. He suffered tremendously. Glory be to God. But Paul ended up writing three forms of the New Testament. God used Paul, and God used the things that he suffered. It's benefiting people still today. The epistles. The things the man suffered, he was snake-bitten. He went through so much, but he didn't complain. He didn't bellyache over it because he knew it was not about him. Paul was on assignment, and God was using Paul. God was orchestrating his steps. Because God knew that the things that Paul wrote would one day benefit you and me. These things would teach us how to live this Christian life. God had us on his mind when we were yet in sin. The scripture says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Glory be to God. It's not about us. It's for somebody else that God might get the glory out of our lives. Somebody else needs to hear your testimony. Somebody else needs to hear what happened to you and how God, in his infinite wisdom and mercy, did not allow what happened to you to destroy you, and now God is turning that thing around for good and for his glory. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. The devil meant it to destroy you. The thief comes not but for to kill, to steal, and to destroy. John 10.10, but the flip side of that says, but I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. God wants to give us abundant life. And the things that we suffer, the things that we go through, the things that we have to endure, 
is for the glory of God. Somebody else is going to benefit from it. That's why they need to bring testimony service back to the church. The people need to hear your testimony. It's not about us. Whatever you and I have suffered and been through, it was never about us. It was designed to bring glory and honor and praise to God. You see, only God can take those bad things that happen to us and turn it around for good. Nobody is wise like God. Nobody is able to do what God does. God is the only one who can bring good out of evil. My God. Look at the evil that was done to Jesus on that cross. God is the only one who could take what happened to Christ, how he was beaten, how he was beaten beyond recognition, how he suffered, bled, and died, but rose on the third day with all power in heaven and in earth. And now, because Christ did not deny his father and suffered it to be so, he went through what he had to go through so that you and I, the Bible says, despising the shame, glory be to God. Let's turn to Isaiah, Isaiah 53. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Jesus was beat with 39 stripes with a cat of nine tails, tore the flesh off of his body. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. He didn't complain. He didn't even answer them when they asked him certain things. And as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so open, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? 
he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people. He was stricken. He did nothing. He did nothing but good. He went about healing the sick, raising the dead, opening blinded eyes, but he was hated of all men. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence. He had done no wrong. Pilate said, I find no fault in this man. Neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to crush him. He had put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, and he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul, and he shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquity. Glory be to God in the highest. God did all that. He allowed all that to happen to his son so that you and I could be saved. It's not about us. It's all about Jesus. It's all about him. Second Corinthians 5 and 21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. It's not about us. It's all for the glory of God. We were created for God's glory. We were created to worship him and to glorify his name. And it's not just through what we say. It is to go through the will of God for our lives to endure the suffering and the shame. Hallelujah. Glory be to God because the word of God says, faint not, you shall be exalted in due season. It's not about us. It's all for the glory of God. It was never about us. And see, the enemy, who is that liar and the father of lies, always tries to make us look inward. Look what they're doing to me. You don't know what they did. Oh, how could they do this? But yet we say we want to know him. That I might know him, power of his resurrection, and in the fellowship of his suffering. We don't want to suffer with Christ. We think there's an easier way that we can know him. 
But I tell you, if he's God of the mountain, he's God of the valley. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. It was never about us. It was for somebody else that you had to go through what you went through. So that they might know that if God did this thing for you, there is hope for them. They need to know. They need a living witness that there's nothing too hard for God. I tell you, when people look at my life, glory be to God, when they hear my testimony, they will know without a shadow of a doubt two things, that God is real and there's nothing too hard for God. He can do anything. When he saved a wretch like me, I understood how powerful God is. The chain that had me bound. I was in bondage. I couldn't get out. There was no way out. I tried this, I tried that, I tried programs, I tried everything. None of that stuff worked. I needed the blood, the blood of Jesus to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I needed to be forgiven through repentance. I needed Jesus. I still need him. I needed a savior, somebody who had paid the price for my sin to deliver me. It couldn't be uh, 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 some average Joe. It had to be somebody who was sinless. He was without sin. Pilate said, I find no fault. In this man. He saved me. When I was going down for the last count, he delivered me and he set me free. I give him praise. I give him praise. You see, your testimony is not to make you a, a, a great name in the earth. Your testimony, first of all, there are no great people. We just have a great God. Your testimony is for someone else. My spiritual dad, Pastor Leighton David Smith, before he passed away, he told me one thing. He said, Sister Jan, he said, everywhere you go, share your testimony. Everywhere you are called to preach, share your testimony. 
It's for someone else. And that God may be glorified in your life. Others will hear your testimony and hear how God brought you out of the muck and the miry clay, the mess you were in. And they will know that God is real and there is hope for them. They will know that this same Jesus who saved you, his same blood will cleanse and forgive you. So I say to you, it's not about us. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. This man was born blind from his mother's birth. He had not committed any sin. And God allowed him to be born blind because it was not about him. He was full of the glory of God. The Bible says that all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which sat for arms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened unto him. All the people knew, and they all ran together. They said, they said, ain't that so-and-so? Yeah, that's him. He still had the same raggedy clothes on. He still was dirty. He still probably was smelly. The only thing that was different was that he could walk. He was no longer lame. He had been healed. Glory be to God. Gloriously healed. By the power of God, he had a divine encounter with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he was healed for the glory of God. And somebody say, well, if God is, is so much, why he let us go through this? Why he let us go through this? It's all for the glory of God. Why he let my grandmama die? Why he let this? I want to say something about that. Because of sin, and sin is here in the earth, and really prevalent here in the United States, because sin abounds, the curse, operational. The curse is in, in effect. So God allows these things to happen to people. Sometimes bad things happen because of sin that's in the earth. 
And the Bible doesn't say why this man was born lame, why he couldn't walk. Just says that he was lame from his mother's womb. He was born lame. I believe it was for the glory of God. God already knew that this day was coming, that he and this man would have a divine encounter. And God already knew his plan to save this man, to deliver him, and to do this miracle in his life. You see, the miracle wasn't even done for the man. It's not about him. The miracle was done for the benefit of the people. The Bible says they saw it. They saw this was the same man. They knew him. And they were eyewitnesses to him walking into the temple, praising God. And they were filled with wonder and amazement because only God could do such a thing. And only God deserves the glory. Hallelujah. He deserves the glory. He deserves the glory for your life. If you are listening to the sound of my voice tonight, you know where you could have been, where you should have been, and where you would have been if it had not been for the mercy and grace of God. You know what God has done for you. You know that you are here today because of the goodness of God. And he has saved you and kept you alive, not for your name's sake. You weren't so righteous, not for my name's sake. I haven't been righteous, but it was for the glory of God. Everything is for God's glory. It's not about us. So that testimony you've been sitting back on, trying to keep quiet about it. We don't want nobody to know what you used to do and what you used to be. You need to turn that thing around. And let God get the glory out of your life. I am not the hero of my story. All the glory belongs to you, O oh God. You alone deserve the glory. It's all about you, Father. It's all about you. I am a reflection, just a reflection, just one of many reflections of your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. There's no goodness in me, the goodness. I thank you tonight, Father. I thank you for allowing me to share this message with your people. I thank you for allowing me 
to remind them that no matter what they are going through, it's not about them. It's all about you, Lord. Even when God blesses us, it's not about us. It's all about you, Jesus. When you open doors for us that no man can shut, it's not about us. Let us never take the glory that belongs to you. When you make a way out of no way, God, it's not about us, but it's all about you. When you deliver us time and time and time again, it's not about us. It's all about you, Jesus. Everything that we have been through, everything that we have suffered, everything that we have had to endure for God's glory. He alone deserves the glory. He alone deserves the honor and the praise. So, Lord, we thank you tonight. And we bless your holy name in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. It's not about us. May the Lord bless you tonight. May heaven be your eternal destiny. I pray that whatever you're suffering or have suffered, plaining and murmuring, you would begin to tell the Lord thank you and ask God how he wants to use you for his glory. In Jesus' name, this is Evangelist Janet Taylor coming to you live from Walls of Fire Deliverance Ministry International. Our web address is www.wallsoffiredeliveranceMIN.com. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 1148, Walkertown, North Carolina, 27105, and our uh, email address is jet, that's J-E-T, 245, at msn.com. You can reach us by phone, 336-830-0601, and if you have been blessed tonight by this message or by this ministry, and you feel led of the Holy Spirit to sow a seed, you may do so through PayPal or Zelle using the email address jen.com. May God bless you. We look forward to being back with you on next Thursday. We pray nothing but blessings over the people of God. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Good night. This is Evangelist Janet Taylor signing off. Good night.